know, in this series that we've been doing on Psalms, our whole idea is to give you something where you can learn how to worship, not just in a worship service. I mean, our passion is that we would be people of worship, that we would recognize that God's called us to a lifestyle of worship. Now, to have that kind of lifestyle, it just stands to reason that there will be points where you will make an appointment and you will sit and you will talk to the Lord about what you're trying to live every day. KK and I have these little things that we try to say to each other. You know, to be married this long, you, you have little ways you make adjustments along the way. And she has a little way of looking me in the eye and kind of pulling me back when I'm starting to leave and say, I miss you. And I'm thinking, I'm standing right here. But I've learned, and I know exactly what she means. It's like, I need some time to see the front of your head, not just the back of your head as you're leaving. I need some time just to sit and to talk with you and to maintain this relationship with you. The book of Psalms is a great place, and Johnny has reminded us, it is a great place to learn how to lift our soul to the Lord. And what better psalm than this one to teach us how to cry out before the Lord. Now, it does say that it's a song of David, and I've warned you over the few weeks that we've been looking that all the psalms are not of David. Maybe you grew up, I grew up kind of thinking that, okay? But about half of them, Depending on and you, you work out your own count of 150, all right? But about half of them are probably attributed to David as the writer. Some unknown, some specifically attributed to others. This particular psalm is David telling his heart to wake up and to pay attention because it's time to praise the Lord. Do you talk to yourself? I, I, I carry on conversations in my head and... I attribute it to learning how to pray without ceasing because I I think I'm talking to the Lord most of the time. Now, my wife not only talks to herself, but she does it out loud pretty well. And she's not in here today. It's twice I picked on her, all right? She's with the children. But, But she will talk, and as I have gotten a little harder of hearing, it frustrates me to no end when I can't figure out if she's talking to herself or she's talking to me. And the older man in the crowd said, amen. Okay, you, you know how that goes, right? I mean, you want to be one that pays attention. David is talking to himself. He's talking to his heart. He does it in other places in the book of Psalms. Heart, get in line. What's wrong with you? Listen to the instruction that he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, is he bringing that as an offering, or is he trying to make an attitude adjustment to make it happen? I think the answer is yes, all right? It is an internal thing. It is going on inside. It is something that must be happening in the heart. O my soul, and all that is within me, O my soul, that's an internal thing. I couldn't help but be reminded of Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees one day. You know how they chased him around and tried to always see if they could get some trick question or get something against him. And they came to him and they asked him this foolish question. And, and he, he looked back to them. And I want you to listen to his words. It won't be on the screen. It's in Matthew chapter 15. If you want to make a note, look it up later. He said to them, you 
hypocrites? That's, that's a pretty straightforward answer, right? You hypocrites, you religion players, you people going to gather with the people of God, but you've got something wrong and you're pretending on the outside something that's not on the inside. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you and he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, I hope that's not said about me. I, I hope that's not said about you. I hope that's not said about us. I hope that it is not something that we're simply singing along with Jay with words on a screen. But that our hearts are engaged because we're saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, Johnny and I have not talked about our me- the message today, and he wrongly led you astray that I'm going to cover all 22 verses well, okay? I'm not, all right? So don't get worried about it. I, I know what time it is, and we're going to do what-, what seems right. I have a plan, and I've laid it down before the Lord. We'll see if it's right, okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do, do you get the internal part? Now, if you'll just shake your head like this, I can move on. You got that, right? It's not just with your mouth. It's in here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. But what's the first question that comes to your mind? How in the world can I bless him? I can't bless him. He's the source of all blessings. He's the giver of all good things. He's the sustainer of life. So how can I be a blessing to him? The, I guess the only analogy I can think of is how you want your children to do what's right and that becomes a blessing back to you. Or like last Sunday, my uh, daughter and son-in-law visited a church of a pastor in Virginia Beach, well, Hampton Roads area, and they sent a picture out of them worshiping with Rob Shepard. Now, if you had known Rob Shepard in high school, it would be a pretty unlikely thing that Rob Shepard would be the pastor of this church. And a few years ago, Rob left the church plant and went and planted another church. And they say right now they have about five or 600 people in worship. God is just blessing this uh, pastor and his work. And they send me this, this, this picture of, of Pastor Rob and worshiping with him. And uh, they sent me where he quoted that every Sunday morning he has the people stand to read the word of God. And he ends his prayer this way. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are my rock, my strength. And my Redeemer. And he went on to say, I do that because every Sunday morning as a little boy, I remember my pastor having a stand in honor of God's word. And he always closed his prayer that way right before he preached. So maybe I need to go back and start doing that now. Every Sunday. Now, here's the point. That blessed me. 
You get it? That encouraged me that that somehow the working of God had worked in his life and it came back as an encouragement to me. Do you see how this works with us blessing the Lord? It's not that he needs anything, but he wants us as his children to be grateful. He wants us as his children to recognize him as the source. He wants us as his blood-bought children to say, I know that you are mine, and I know that I am yours, and I'm looking to you today as the source of my very life. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I don't know if you picked up on it, but Jay read the psalm for today, and he tried to make sure we were singing about the holy name of the Lord, we, you, just, you just engaged your mouth. Now, let's, let's make sure your heart was there. Bless his holy name. Now, what does that mean? Well, his name being holy means that it is set apart. That's what holy means. Holy means that he is other. Okay? He's not us. He is, he is different. He is perfect. He is removed. He is, he is eternal. He has to condescend to be willing to come down and work with us as his creature of his creation. But he is holy. And as we try to connect the words of our mouth with the meditation of our heart, to lift it back to the Lord, what are we saying about his holy name? I, I thought, you know, I could preach the whole sermon on his holy name, right? Think about it. I, I made a few notes about, about his name. His name, Johnny, I thought, I was just going to say, Johnny, here, just take my Bible and go ahead and finish preaching this sermon. I mean, he was, he was getting right to the point of Yahweh, Jehovah. He is the covenant-keeping God. He said to Abraham, when he had his son on the altar of sacrifice, he said, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. He said to Hagar, as she and Ishmael were removed, there's a tender moment there where God recognized still as the son of Abraham, desiring to be worshipped by all the nations of the world. Jesus said, I mean, God said to Hagar, he said, My, I am El Roy, the God who sees this morning as we think about his name, he is the God who sees us. He is the God who knows us. He is the God who is above. And even his name declares all of those things. Speaking to Moses, do you remember the encounter with Moses? I referred to it a couple of weeks ago. When he came to the burning bush and he took the shoes off of his feet and he was worshiping God there. And God said to him, I, I've got a job for you. I want you to go back to Israel. And Moses said, but Lord, I can't do that. And what if they ask me who sent me? Listen to this. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Bless the Lord on my soul. All is within me. Bless his holy name. What is his name? 
he answered Moses and said, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to this people, the people of Israel, the Lord, of your, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me. This is my name forever, and I will be remembered this way throughout all generations. He is the great I am. And all that is within me, bless his holy name, the great I am. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace. He is El Shaddai. He is El Elyon. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because his name speaks of his character. When you say someone's name... Immediately, it comes to mind what you think about how they've lived or what they've done or what they do. And God wants, when we say his name, he wants it to be bringing back to our minds who he is, what he's done, and what he does. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all this within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, I'm reasonably good at studying Greek. I'm not very good at studying Hebrew. I know how to read people much smarter than me that know Hebrew. And I looked everywhere I could to find the root meaning of this word, benefit. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's not very complicated. It means benefit. I, I, I mean, I see why all the translators did it. Now, if you go to work and you have benefits, okay, that means you have insurance. I don't mean to bring up something touchy to some of you, all right, but it means you have insurance. It, it means that you have a medical plan, and it means perhaps you have retirement savings. All those things go into the benefits package. What is in the benefits package of the Lord? What has he done for us? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Well, there are couplets here. Verses 3, 4, and 5, and I want us just to hover for a moment and see what they say. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. Now, we're going to spend some more time talking about how he forgives our iniquities because we're going to remember his benefits as we come to the Lord's table. So if you'll allow me to deal with him forgiving our iniquities in a moment, coupling it with something else. Let's talk for a minute about him healing all of our diseases. I just need to engage in a shepherding moment here because I want to make sure that you not let anyone lead you astray because there are those who go cherry-picking through the Bible, and they pick out one verse here or one verse here, and they take it and they cram it down people's throats as though this is the everything we need to know about God, when the Scripture is very clear that we need to know the whole counsel of God. So what is this promise? Why would David even bring it up when he said he heals all your diseases? 
I'm going to try very concisely to give you something to consider from God's word. First, when they were entering the land, God gave them very strict dietary laws. Do you remember? Okay, very strict dietary laws. He gave them very strict laws as to how they were to handle a dead body. He gave them all kinds of laws of how they were to conduct life and how they were to handle death because God knew that all of those things contributed to the diseases. God understood that there were diseases in the land where they were about to go. And he promised them if they would follow his commands that he would be there with them and he would not let the diseases in that land overtake them. It reminds me of the story of Oberammergau. I don't know if any of you know of that town in the south of Germany. Uh, the Black Plague was rampant in Europe and that town got together and they begged God, God, would you spare us? All of these cities around us, of people, everyone there is dying. And they called a big prayer meeting and even the government leaders got involved. And they all got on their face and they begged God to spare their city. And they said, God, if you'll spare us, we will do something to show people that you have worked here. And we will celebrate your giving us victory over this disease. And God did. And the city of Oberammergau put on a citywide passion play. And they did it every year for few hundred years and then they decided it might be better if we do it every five years or if we do it every 10 years but to this day you can go I've been there in the in the the big bleachers in Oberammergau and they were singing all the songs in German I had a little translator in my, in my lap and and all the city was involved children everyone still trying to fulfill that promise that they made back to God God if you'll spare us we'll give you credit now as God was leading the children of Israel into the land, he told them, you're going to encounter great diseases, and I'm going to give you a plan of how I'm going to deal with those. So that's part of what David had in mind because of God promising that he would deal with their healing them from their diseases. But today, people would take this verse, and they would say to you, if you're sick, let me read you a verse out of the Bible. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases and say, first of all, you need to confess your sin because that's probably why you're sick. And then second of all, you need to claim this because God's going to heal you because he wants you to be healed and not have a disease. Can I give you a couple of three things to think about? Number one, it's illogical. If God heals all of our diseases, we will never die. I don't know about you, but there's something in me that wants to die. One thing, if this body exponentially keeps getting worse, I don't want to live in it forever. All right? And the second thing, like the old gospel song, I want to see Jesus, the one who suffered and died for me. It's illogical to think that God would have us Grab this phrase, and every time we get sick, that we're never going to have to stay sick. It's illogical. Second, it's discouraging because people would say to you, if you're still sick, then you must have caused it. And if you're still sick, 
if you need to have more faith. Thirdly, it's disillusioning. Because when people pray and God doesn't heal, sometimes they turn and they turn away from God forever. Now, I know we're recording these messages now, and I, I, I don't know who will listen to them in the future when we're putting them online. Uh, I had a little more freedom to mess around before we started doing that, all right? But I, I want to say I'd already planned this morning to not bring this up because I thought my grandchildren were going to be sitting here. We have some grandchildren here with us today. Their father, my son-in-law, has a liver disease. Never drank alcohol in his life. Could be hepatitis. It, it, they're still trying to figure out the source and what caused it. But he's been told that he has one year to live unless he gets a liver. And I got a text this morning that they took him to the emergency room. They don't know if he's just overwhelmed or what they've got to do. But, or if he's turned for the worse. Now, can you see how taking this verse wrongly could so disillusion the hearts of my grandchildren that if their father dies, they would not trust God. Are you with me? We need to get this right. God doesn't enjoy us being sick. God doesn't even enjoy the physical death. All of that's kind of in the stream as the result of the fall of Adam and the curse on the earth and mankind until we're totally made new. God wants us to see that any time we are healed from a sickness or disease, He healed us. Are, are you with me? A few months ago, I was in the hospital. The more I learn about the disease that I had, and the more I see about how many other people have had this disease, for me to be standing here today with a reasonably clear mind and a reasonably strong body, I have to say, the Lord healed me. He used doctors. He used medication. He healed me. Now, I just, I couldn't go past that. Because I want us as the people of God to know what he's really like. Now, have I said enough? Are, are, you, are you getting the point of how we need to worship God as the source of life? Not the one who enjoys making people sick, nor the one that we should not give credit anytime we get well. Right? Now, come on. I, keep, I need a few more nod heads. You got it? Okay. All right. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all of our sins. He heals us from our diseases. And one day, praise God, we will all be gloriously healed. Right? Because that's what the next verse says. He redeemed your life from the pit. I could play with that for a while, all right? Is your life in the pits? Come on. He doesn't want you to live there. Speak to your soul. Was he talking about the grave? Was he talking about hell? 
what David might have been talking about and what the inspiration of the, of the Spirit wanted us to see, I don't know. But I have no problem worshiping in this psalm and saying, God, you redeemed me from going to hell. I don't deserve to know you. You bought me when Jesus died for me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. His benefit is he redeemed me from the pit. Look at that next one. He crowns you with steadfast love and with mercy. He wants us to so live in gratefulness and appreciation with him that we have the anointing and the set apart. I don't have a clue what all we could apply that to, but I can imagine. But look what the crown is. Steadfast love and mercy. Well, I, I printed off Psalm 103. It, it didn't fit this way, but it fit that way. And, uh, and so I started looking at it. Verse 4, steadfast love and mercy. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. For as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of consistency. He is a God when you wake up the next morning and you and you pray this psalm back to him. His love is the same today as it was yesterday. And in some ways, it's almost like it feels like his love is better. Because he put up with me yesterday and he still loves me again today. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and you get to walk around planet Earth and tell others that he redeemed your life from the pit. Verse 5 says he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He satisfies you. Are you satisfied with him? Do you realize that Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy the longing of your soul? Do you realize that everything you would search for, everything you would reach for, every title you would want, every possession you would pursue, that ultimately it all wears out and turns to rust and is good for nothing? But he is always good. And he wants to satisfy our souls with his goodness. That his thoughts for us are good. That his plans for us are good. That his provision for us is still good. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that he is good. It says he re renews our youth like the eagles. Well, perhaps you have heard some very detailed stories of how a youth, how a, a, an eagle loses its uh, feathers and 
renews its beak. And, and I, I've heard one guy you know, do a whole sermon on all that, and it was extremely fascinating. The only problem is I can't find it factual. Uh, so I, I don't want to tell you that story today, okay? I do want to tell you the story that the eagle does, through a process called molting, have feathers that are re- die and are removed and new feathers grow. And I will tell you that an old eagle can enjoy the ride on the wind as well as a young eagle. Because the Lord is the one that gives us strength. And the Lord is the one that restores our life. And David in his worship said, you satisfy me. And if if I'm old, I can still fly and enjoy it like I'm a young eagle. Well, there are 15 more verses. And probably the good news for your endurance is I'm not going to preach them, all right? But could I just point out just two or three things as we go to the Lord's table that we look at his benefits for us? Verse 6 says, the Lord works righteousness and justice to the oppressed. Some of you think social justice is a new movement, all right? God has always said, I've got a heart for the widow, the orphan, the foreigner among you, and the poor. God has always said that he sees the one that society mistreats, and he has a heart for them. That's what he's like. It says in verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses. I had to stop and say, you made known your ways to us, Lord. Just like you made them known to Moses when he led them out, you made your way known to us when you took us to the cross. You showed us how seriously you take sin, but you showed us how seriously you take love. And you brought that together when Jesus died for me. You made known your way to me. Lord, you are merciful and gracious, You are slow to anger. You sang it a moment ago, a few minutes. We don't have to preach it, all right? Did you get it? Lord, I know that you're slow to anger. You will not always chide, nor will you keep your anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, that's good news. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Jesus paid for your sin. Jesus died for your iniquity. Verse 11 says, As the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. I I thought of it yesterday as I looked up at the clouds. I was in the car with my grandson. I said, look at those clouds. I knew if his grandma was there, that's what she'd say. Look at those clouds. KK can be moved to worship quickly with a flower or a mountain or a cloud. And I'm still trying to learn from her. The clouds were multidimensional. I said, just imagine how you could get around that one cloud and there'd still be more clouds. And I mean, look at the heavens for a moment. If that fascinates us, how fascinated should we be with his everlasting love that we cannot comprehend. I think it's the next verse that says, as far as the east is from the west. 
How far is that? As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I can picture a globe, and I know you can go north and reach the North Pole, and then what happens? You start going south. North and south do meet here on planet Earth, but east and west never meet. You keep going west, and you can just keep going west. And you can get back to the spot where you left going west and start going west again. This is intentionally incomprehensible. That's how far he has removed your sin from you. This morning as you come to the Lord's table, if you still are carrying guilt, you don't have to. If you're still carrying the condemnation, you don't have to. If there's still regrets that just weigh you down and you wish you could get it back, you don't have to do that anymore. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and know that he has forgiven us as far as the east is from the west. His his steadfast love is so far as removed from what we can comprehend looking up. As the Father shows compassion on his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. My kids have done some stupid stuff in life. But I have always been brought to the place once I laid down my desire to lecture them on their stupid choice. I've had to come back to say to them, you're my son. You're my daughter. There's nothing you can do, nowhere you can go to keep me from loving you. If an earthly father can do that, how much more can the heavenly father do for us who fear him? You see, he knows our frame. He knows we were made from dust. He knows our life is temporary here on earth. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. So today my question to you is, can you say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits.